Welcome to the Iron Intern Podcast, where our goal is to give you everything you need to know about getting into the strength conditioning industry. Hear from coaches all over the country who have been interns and hired interns. Hosted by Parker Ree. Welcome back to the Iron Intern Podcast. Um, we have a special guest today, Coach Cameron Ringstead. Um, Coach, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Cameron Ringstead. I'm the head sports performance coach at Elon University, small school in North Carolina, but hopefully our social media presence is kind of making us a little bit more well-known. So, um, but yeah, I've been here for two years now, actually two years this month. So I actually, so I'm originally from the West coast of Canada, uh, Vancouver area, um, moved to the UK in 2012, did my undergraduate degree there, did a couple of internships out there, um, did an internship at University of Richmond uh, in Virginia. September 2015 while I was still out there and then moved back to the U.S. Uh, in 2016 to do my master's degree at Springfield College in Massachusetts. After that, came down here actually as an intern and kind of worked my way up through, through the ranks. Um, thankfully, the coach Marco gave me the opportunities and I'm not going to give him a plug, but well, maybe I will. But if, you, if you're not following him, you put some good stuff out on Twitter and, and our social media page does as well too. So, um, and that's been it. Yeah, so I worked for originally with softball and volleyball and then kind of progressed to baseball and then now work with men's and women's basketball and been in that position for about a year now. Mm -hmm. So that was one reason I really wanted to have you on was seeing kind of where you had been. You've been to a bunch of different places and a bunch of different experiences. Um, And so could you dive in first, like you said, you went to University of Chester, right? That's correct. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a small university in comparison to the ones in the States. Um, campus-wise, it had about 10,000 students, so it was a decent-sized university. Um, the nice thing about that was undergrad is only three years, which helped me out a lot, um, and I already knew what I kind of wanted to do getting into it, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I got given the opportunity to work with um, a team that's kind of linked with the university. A lot of like the, the tests and physicals and everything like that get done at the university, so it was, the club was called Warrington Wolves, and it was a, a, a professional rugby league team. Um, there's a difference between union and league. Unions, there's 15 guys. Leagues is different. Um, so a little more aerobic-based with rugby league, but it's more popular up north. But I worked with them for about two and a half years as an intern. Um, so my first year at university, I, I kind of joined on with them, worked with the academy, and then kind of progressed to working with the first team there. And then eventually got responsibilities of programming, speed, and agility um, for the academy team. The academy was the under-18s um, team which is a great experience, got a lot of good feedback. And even looking back now, um, seeing some of the stuff that they did there um, at Warrens and Wolves was, was really good and still kind of ahead of, ahead of their time back in 2014, 2015. So it was good to see. So for someone who um, is thinking about maybe going over to England or Australia, get their master's or even get their bachelor's, um, what are some pros and cons? What did you love about it? Um, what was different? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you might have heard this one before, but I think the UK does a really good job of the sports science side of things. Um, they're very, especially Australia as well, too. Everything mm-hmm. research-wise, like Tim Gavin and all those guys are on the top of the game from those side of things. Um, but I'd say if you're trying to really dive into the sports science aspect, I think it's great to go over there. If you are kind of from this side, I think the coaching aspect in the U.S. is, is next level. That's why I wanted to come over here and do my master's degree. Um, so I'd say that's kind of the difference. I mean, what kind of what to expect out in the UK is you probably won't be able to get as many opportunities to coach here. It's, it's phenomenal. There's so many universities and colleges that you can get experience with. Um, even if you're not at one right now, you can still find a university within 
a couple couple miles away, which is great. In North Carolina, I mean, there's a million <laughs> schools here. So uh, I'd say the possibilities of, of getting experience are greater in the in the U.S., but if you're really trying to want to go down that sports science route, um, I think the U.K. has some really good programs to kind of offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you ended up getting your master's at Springfield. Yeah. So what I've seen is Springfield has a great graduate program, um, and a lot of coaches go through there. What do you think um, allows them to – be so successful in mentoring young coaches? And what yeah. did you get out of it? No, that's a great question. So Dr. Thompson is the, the director there who oversees um, the academic side, but also the weight room side. Um, and he does a phenomenal job. So, I mean, for me, I, I kind of knew right away that, well, I finished at Richmond, went back for like two weeks, and then I was told constantly about Springfield College because I was reaching out to people. So I actually decided, like, I'm going to fly out there because this is a school that I need to go to. So I interviewed there. Um, fortunately got accepted into the program. Um, and, and the great thing about it really is, is that you get, you're doing your education and usually that's in the morning time. So anywhere between eight o'clock and 12 o'clock is when you're doing your coursework. And that's, it's the nice thing about it too, is it's in a related field. It's not doing something that you don't really care about, to be honest. It's all like, again, in my final year, I had advanced strength and conditioning one as one of my classes, uh, advanced physiology, which I enjoyed as well too. And I, I chose to do that one. Um, can't remember the other ones to be honest it's I know it's only been two years but I forget what course I took but it's all related to strength and conditioning um which is phenomenal um and then actually another class of yours is being in the weight room coaching in your first year so you get hands-on experience I mean you get assigned three to four teams that you work with um and this is all part of your your course um so from anywhere between three o'clock and seven o'clock you're in the weight room coaching um so that's a phenomenal way to get experience and then in your second year, you have the opportunity to become a graduate assistant if you, if you do well enough. Unfortunately, I had that opportunity. So I had football, men's basketball, men's soccer, and then throwers as well, too. So I was in that way in that whole kind of four hours from three to seven, um, just coaching the whole time in there, which was a phenomenal experience. Um, so if any kind of coaches that want to get that practical experience, but also the education with it, I think it's a, an ideal program. Mm-hmm. Um. So on top of that, if people are looking at programs like that, what are you things that stick out um, that you should be looking at in a master's degree? Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people talk about it. It really just depends on, on your, the route you're going down. Um, so fortunately, with the Springfield program, the first year you have to pay yourself. But then if you get the graduate assistant position, it's, it's paid for. So I think that's one thing as well, too, especially if you've done all these internships before and then now you go to a grad program, then it's obviously more money that you have to pay. So kind of looking for somewhere that's going to offer you a stipend plus tuition is huge but also just a great mentor that you can learn from. Um, I was very fortunate that a lot of people have been through the Springfield College program. I interviewed some great people. Um, a couple of ones at UMass right now, ones at Vanderbilt, both at football, um, ones at Towson University, and a lot of guys that have progressed, and ones at the Dolphins that have progressed from the year above me that I've learned from have been huge. But kind of going back to the mentor side of things, um, Dr. Thompson's phenomenal. He lets you program um, as long as it's within kind of smart guidelines, if that makes sense. So it's a lot of it's on your own and most GA spots um, I'd say probably don't give you that much freedom. So I think that's one thing that's huge is you obviously want the guidance, but you also want the freedom to kind of make errors in your program. Because some weeks I'll be like, Oh, this presented was way too heavy for um, the team I program it for next week. I'll scale it back, but they don't stop you from doing that. They might even see it themselves. Like oh, that's probably a little heavy, but let them figure it out. You know? So um, that was a great opportunity. And, Adam Fight and Mary Kate Fight are both there now as well too. If you've ever, if anyone's listening or if yourself has ever heard of them, um, he's directly based with like Precision Nutrition. Um, mm-hmm. 
he does a really good job. He now oversees the football program um, and definitely helped a lot in kind of figuring out the logistics of how things work because he's been at University of Arizona, Carolina Panthers, um, Eastern Michigan University. So he's been at quite a few schools before he decided to kind of come back to, to Springfield. And he's graduated there as well, too. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing is kind of looking for a mentor that's going to let you have the free reign to, to explore and, and learn from your mistakes, um, but also one that's going to kind of guide you in the right direction uh, of where you want to go, um, on top of the getting tuition paid for as well, too. <laughs> yeah, it's always a plus. Um, so you've interned at a variety of different places and different experiences. Um, what do you think makes a successful intern? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. I think what makes, I mean, obviously you're going to get the, the standard answers here for most people. Someone's going to work hard. Um, someone's going to absorb knowledge, know when to kind of know what's their place. Um, I mean, I can kind of touch on those. I mean, just from experience and people that now have interned for me, the ones that stand out the most are the ones that kind of go the extra step. So for example, like we're setting up for the day, it's week one, we're setting up. We will obviously explain everything to um, the intern that we have. And then if it's the same lift the following week, I kind of, I don't expect it because some people aren't triggered that way, but it might be that they've seen it and then they get in before you and then they're already like setting stuff up when we walk in. I've had a couple of things do that and I'm like, let's go high five, good job and stuff like that. So that's something that I kind of appreciate as well too. Um, during my time at Oregon State, I mean, I lived in that weight room when I interned there. It was it was probably my favorite I ever had um, in this field and I just, every day was, I was like, all right, I just want to, I'm going to get there. First thing in the morning, uh, staying until the last person leaves um, and just making sure that everything's ready to go for the next day. So that was one thing that I, I had to kind of um, kind of do to kind of assert myself as a really good intern. And I mean, it pays, pays in the end. I mean, I wasn't forcing myself to do because I enjoyed it so much. And I think that anyone that's in this field and really enjoys it will, will do the same thing. Um, but just being uh, hungry and humble um, all the time. And then also with, with like as working with other coaches, obviously depends where you're at, but sometimes you'll get coaches that don't want to kind of hear a, an intern's opinion, um, right or wrong, but just kind of be aware of that. And sometimes there's a lot of like a Jeff Oliver, who's at Holy Cross and took as well too, is probably the most phenomenal human being that I've, I've ever met in this field or out. And he was always asking my opinion. Um, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? He would do that to everyone. So that was one where you could actually show your opinion and be like, Hey, what about if we did this with this? He'd be like, yeah, I'd love it. So it'd be great with that. But then I've actually been fortunate. I've never worked with anyone that's not wanted to hear my opinion, but um, some places if you go, they, they might not want to. So just be, make sure you're reserved a little bit more and just do the tasks that they tell you and then kind of go that extra step. But I mean, I would say just being as hungry, humble, and then smart. I don't know if you've ever um, read the book, The Ideal Team Player. I was just looking at it over there, but that one covers all those things, which I think translates well too, to being a, uh, a really good intern. Okay. Um, so you're a young coach, but that being said, yeah. you've, you've had interns and you've been in different places. Um, what are some skills you think are missing in young coaches? Uh, that's a great question. I never really thought of that one before. Um, I mean, I think I might turn this question a little bit different way, but I think one thing that interns think that they need to have is all the skills already all the knowledge and everything like that and to continuously read and stuff, which is great, which I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do at all, but I think that stuff comes over time. Um, so when I, when we first have an intern that comes in, I don't really care to be honest, like how much they, they really know. Um, it's great if they, if they know a lot that, that helps them in the future, but 
I think if they just understand that I'm here to do the best job I can to advance the program and leave it in a better place than I left, I think that's one thing that's, that's huge. Um, so I would just say, I mean, uh, it's hard to answer, hard to answer that probably because it's so different with different people. Um, but I would just say, just making sure you're focused on the, the kind of the coaching side of things, the human interaction. I think, I mean, I guess that's probably the answer, the best answer to your question is that interaction with athletes is probably the biggest thing that's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, usually we've had interns that come in, they're super smart, but when they leave the, the athletes don't really know they've left and they don't really, cause they never had a presence with the athletes, but ones that are joking around with the athletes, having a good time, one that's one's the appropriate time, obviously. Um, and the ones that develop a good relationship with the athlete when, the intern leaves and it's the last day or whatever it might be. Um, and the next day they're not there. The athlete's like, where's this person go? And then it's like, you understand that they've built a really good relationship with that person. Um, and I think that's probably the best skill set any intern can have is just that relationship standpoint. This is kind of a segue, but anything you wish you knew as an intern? Yeah. I mean, I think the, probably the relationship standpoint was huge as well too. And I think, I wish I would watch coaches and how they interacted with players more than I did. Um, especially ones that I respected. Like looking back now, you can kind of see it, but I wish at the time I was like, all right, like I'm watching the coach walk around the weight room. If I was, wasn't as busy like coaching, watching how he kind of interacts with the athletes and sees, see the response of the athletes with them. And, and then that's when I can try and emulate it um, with the athletes from the next place I go over there as well too. Um, okay. So, your first full-time job, what are some of the biggest mistakes you made? Yeah, I mean, good question. I think kind of going back to the points that we talked about before was even like even past intern, being an intern was all in in the programming and then the relationship side of things kind of lacked a little bit more. Um, I'm not saying that I had a bad relationship with, like, with my athletes. I think I still have a very good one, but I think uh, that should have been my main emphasis rather than the programming standpoint. So now going back this year, I think I'm going to put a lot more effort into relationships and our athletes get back. And then you still obviously work on the program as much as possible and, and try and develop that. But I think if I can work on the athletes and have a good relationship with them, the program stuff will come and the intent of the program will come a lot more. Too. Mm-hmm. Do you have any do's and don'ts of networking, reaching out to coaches? Don't email asking for a job. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, the conferences are a great place. I mean, a lot of people are going to network that way. I mean, I, that's what I had to do as well, too, when I was first there. But, I mean, kind of a personal like story was when I was a graduate assistant looking for a real job, I emailed like 60 places that had jobs to open up. Heard back from like two that were like just email saying, no thanks. And then the rest didn't hear anything from them. So I'd say when kind of looking for your first job, um, unfortunately, it might have to be part-time when you're looking for the first job. Um, and hopefully that only lasts for a short period of time. But I would say probably the, for the networking side of things, maybe find a mutual connection. Be like, hey, I, I know this person. They recommended I reach out to you. Do you have a couple minutes to, to answer a couple questions in my email or get on the phone or whatever it might be if it's longer distance? If it's closer and the person's nearby, like for me, um, I've gone a couple of places around here. Um, Evan Simon, who's down at Davidson, who I interned for at Oregon State, I've gone a couple times down there, but I already knew him. But then I also went to UNC to visit the women's basketball strength coach there, which was great. Chatted with him for a couple hours and just a good connection. And um, just kind of, kind of, and I got that one through the women's basketball staff here. So just reaching out to people, say, hey, do you have any time in the next couple of months where I can come up and, and visit? I think is, is huge. 
and, and helps a lot. And then they might put you in connection with someone else. Um, like that happened a little while ago, I spoke on a Zoom call, put in connection with a couple of people, and then just end up speaking to them on the phone for a little while. So I would say just try not to be, be like a good human about it. Don't be aggressive and just say, hey, can I speak to you or whatever it might be. Just try and make it a software conversation. And then I don't even ask for a job, basically. Just kind of let that things come naturally. And things will come. Um, if you do a good job interning somewhere and they have good connections, stuff does um, eventually come. So I'd say probably the biggest thing with like networking is just make it natural, make a good connection with the person and, and uh, try and reach out to as many people as you can and try and build your network. Um, Cause that's what unfortunately I did. And I made a couple of good connections, especially with like the Springfield college connection as well too. Um, so if you flip that around and people are reaching out to you or say you suddenly open a job, what are some things that you're looking for in an applicant or a resume? Yeah. Um, Usually when we open up a position, I do get quite a few texts like, hey, I guess I have a job position open. Um, but the thing that we do mostly is try and hire someone that we already know. So sometimes it is that text or sometimes it is um, an open application. We've had a couple ter turnovers since I've been here, but not, not too many. Um, but most of the time it's through an intern. So usually we'll trust someone that's like, if they've done a great job for us, we'll try and hire them. Um, the best of possibilities but if not like the most recent guy we have on staff he was at the vikings for a year um and he played for me when i was at ga springfield when he was on the football team so i already knew of him and then he had lunch with one of the guys that works at umass now with football and then he texts us saying hey i got this guy that's finishing soon i heard you have an open position and we're like yep let's do it so it didn't even have to interview or anything like that just kind of a kind of a connection then Another guy who's done a phenomenal job um, here. He was an intern for me at Springfield. Um, so it's, that's the way it kind of works with the connections. Pretty hard to, I don't know if anyone, I'm sure people have, but I'm, I don't know anyone that's got a job from just applying. Um, like I said before, I like applied for 60 jobs, didn't know the people, and like, I never heard back. So I would say probably, yeah, just do the best you job can at any place you're at. Um, Dr. Thompson Springfield has this great saying where he says, impress everyone you know. Um, and I think that, statement holds true is it doesn't matter where you are um, as long as you're kind of hungry and humble and people see that um, and know where you've what you've done and how well of a job you've done it's that word's going to get across um, and it's going to come back to to whenever you're applying for jobs so okay um so looking back on your kind of career what do you think have been the keys to your success I mean, I wouldn't say I've been successful yet, but I <laughs> uh, still got a long way to go. But I, I think I've just been very fortunate. And I mean, in, in the way that my career has progressed, I mean, my parents obviously gave me very good opportunities. And Coach DeMarco has progressed me from an unpaid intern all the way up to kind of the head of sports performance coach. So I've been very lucky. But I think just that growth mindset has probably been the biggest thing. Um, I'm sure if people have seen our Instagram or if you have, a lot of stuff is different than what most places do. Um, so for me, I was always open to different ideas, but I think if someone's closed minded, it might be only, maybe only with like a conjugate system where you hit a max effort twice a week, whatever it might be, and you're back to line box plotting and all this stuff, and then try and progress to what we do, which is a lot of unilateral stuff. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna kind of fit in. Um, so I think just having an open mindset to what you can train for and and methods of training um, is huge as well too. So I'd say probably that's the biggest thing, um, the growth mindset. And then I would just say just developing relationships as well too is 
has been huge. Um, fortunately, that coach Marco knows a lot of people, and I've been able to make connections that way as well, too. Um, but, yeah, I'd say just reaching out to people, like I said before, and just keeping constant communication with people is, is huge. But I would say growth mindset is probably the biggest thing. to allow you to progress. Um, so going to that growth mindset, what's the last book you've read? Uh, I just finished that book, The Ideal Team Player. Um, really good, really good book. I've been kind of going on a, like a list. I got a couple over there of, of leadership books. So like since this whole COVID stuff started, I <laughs> had a whole list of books. So I'm trying to look at my list here. But the Culture Code, um, the process, kind of a training book though. So um, this isn't how we do it here, which is a good one. I don't know if you've ever seen that as well too. That one's quite good. Um, good to Great was a phenomenal book. And then Ideal Team Player was another one. So those ones I kind of been going down. I'm going back to training books with uh, Melvin. Aladdin's Djokovic's new one, the strength training manual. Mm-hmm. So that was quite good. So Okay. All right. So going back to England, um, what yeah. did you like kind of about their performance model? Um, what do you think? You said the sports science thing is big. Is there anything where you thought, oh, here's something they pay a lot of attention to that we might need to step up our game? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the U.S. has progressed that way because, I mean, I don't know how long kind of gps tracking has been when i first got there gps tracking was quite big uh, I, had, I helped with that as well too a little bit uh, for the players so i'd say that's probably on a, a high level the, the system's so much different though obviously because there's no real university level of sports it's only professional um and then you go tiers through the professional system you have like the reserve team and then you have the academies down below with the, the younger athletes and i think that's a great way to kind of develop players but then also doesn't give you don't get as many players playing sports because you can't play it at the university level because you basically either choose one or the other um, if you're put in that situation. But I think I think the U.S. is catching back up basically with the sports science side of things. So I wouldn't say anymore there's, there's too much difference. But I would say the U.S. does have a really good um, coaching model um, and their ability to develop good coaches compared to the, to the U.K., which is – it's still very good, but I don't think the relationships are there is what you might see um, over here. Okay. So you've had a lot of great mentors, what it seems like. What do you think makes a good mentor? I mean, yeah, I've been very fortunate with the mentors I have. Um, I'll go back to the ones. I mean, Evan Simon. So, I mean, obviously at the FBS level, um, you don't really expect a head strength coach for football to sit down with a, an intern and go over programming and stuff like that. But every – every Wednesday we'd sit down for like two hours and talk about training, which is great. So you'd go off and we'd talk for like two hours and just sit there and, and chat and open up some conversation, which was phenomenal. So that's definitely one thing that I've been very fortunate to have. So I'd say respecting everyone in the organization, whether it's an intern or whatever it might be and holding an open mindset that people might know something that you don't know. I mean, we've had interests before that I've been like, they've said something about an idea and I've been like, it's a really good idea. Um, so it doesn't, if you're an intern, it doesn't mean that you don't have anything to offer, um, which some people do tend to think, unfortunately. Um, Jeff Oliver was probably definitely one of the nicest people, like I said before, that I've ever met. Um, his TED Talk's available, too, if, if you've ever seen that one. But he talks about um, – you might not – see if I can get this right. But he talks about people might not remember your name, but they'll remember how they made you feel. So – one thing that he always did was like, or even on our last day, he'd always walk us out the door. Like if we're leaving um, and it was our last day, he'd 
you know, he took us out and walked us to the car at the end, which was awesome. So it's, it's kind of just small gestures like that that make a huge impact um, that actually make you want to continue being in the profession and having the impact on athletes like he does and Coach Simon does. Um, so I just think, yeah, being open-minded, even Coach DeMarco now um, is always willing to hear our opinions. He, like, for example, like our staff meetings, there are, he'll put up an idea on the board like, all right, here, football, seven days, more for cycle of football, develop what qualities we work on each day. So I wrote my ideas up. Everyone wrote their ideas up. And then afterwards, I was like, should I probably change this actually to a different idea because i just seen all these other people's in there. They're great. So he never, like, sets forward his opinion. He always wants to see what everyone else thinks so we can formulate our own opinions, which has been great. Um, so I think probably going away from, like, the authoritative uh, leader as you might, some strength coaches might be, and we kind of sit back a little bit more and, and allow for more opinions is, is definitely massive. And that's the way that I, I want to kind of be when I do, uh, do run my own program. So you just shouted out a lot of people, but there's anybody else that you think young coaches should reach out to? So Nick DeMarco obviously is, is, a, is a huge one. Um, trying to think here. I actually spoke – I don't know if I can say, but <laughs> but I spoke to a Ohio State strength and conditioning coach for men's basketball, um, and he was leadership-wise and everything like that. He's phenomenal. So um, Quadrian Banks is his name, so he's on Twitter. Um, but he was really good with the, the relationship side of things, how to build it with the athletes, how to build it with the coaching staff, um, which was phenomenal. I'm trying to think of anyone else that has been really good. Um, I mean, I'd say those probably those probably four. Uh, Coach Marco, Evan Simon, Jeff Oliver, and and him have been been massive and huge influences on me. I'm probably forgetting some people as well too, but they've uh, they've done a really good job. And Jaden May as well too. I mean, I interned for him, and mm -hmm. he, he does a great job there as well too. So, um, so we're gonna flip that. Anyone that you haven't talked to yet, but you really want to? I'm speaking to Matt Johnson, the Butler strength coach, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. well, that should be a really good one. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Else I haven't talked to Matt Johnson, that Chicago Bulls. I would like to reach yeah. out to. Hopefully, he's watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I> know, but <laughs> um, uh, no, I'll, I'll have to reach out to him. But um, those are probably the ones I've been over this time. Unfortunately, I've spoke to a couple of people, which has been really good. Um, even like people that aren't at big programs, there's a lot of people that are at like the mid major, like I'm at, that are doing some really good stuff right now. And um, I've been enjoying speaking to them. Uh, to them, um, Dominic Walker at. Um, UT Arlington versus mm -hmm. basketball. Just some really good stuff. Definitely out of the, out of the box. Big one by twenty guy. There's a lot of stuff on the foot and ankle complex, um, which is which is really good. And then also um, Matt Aldred at uh, Furman University. It does a really good job as well too with his athletes there. So those are two guys that I spoke to last week who are who are doing some good stuff. Looking back, is there anything you would change kind of about your career path? I don't think so. No, I mean, I've been fortunate the way things have worked out. I mean, my whole kind of, I guess, going off tangent, but my whole career goal was to play soccer. I was like, I'm never going to go to university. I'm going to play soccer. That's why I moved to the UK. Um, and then it's completely changed. And I kind of figure out what I wanted to do. So I think I've been very fortunate with the experiences that I've had and, and the people that I've um, interned for and, and learned from um, have been great. So I think, I don't think I would change anything, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So what are some things for young coaches um, that they should be thinking about that they're probably not um, outside of networking, outside of sets and reps and programming? And um, One thing that I'm trying to do as well, too, is um, coaching doesn't last forever. So start to think of kind of something else. It's kind of a, like a morbid thought, but 
So I think you have some other kind of maybe possibly revenues of income um, or what you're going to do once coaching kind of comes to an end. So for me right now, actually, today's my first day. I'm doing a PhD program on sports leadership because my kind of ideal goal is to be a head of, or a high performance director. So oversee sports medicine, strength conditioning, nutrition, psychology. So I'd like to set that up at a university and it's starting to happen right now. But I think by the time I finish and get to that stage, that's where it's going to be. So trying to predict what's going to happen in the future is huge as well too. And that's kind of one thing that I saw that that might happen. So I'll go towards it. Um, so I guess thinking towards the future it is a, if you do go into like the bigger positions, it is a high risk of turnover. So you, there's a possibility of getting fired, unfortunately. Um, thankfully in my position right now at a mid major, that's not really the case. Um, but then again, as well, too, just really trying to develop relationships. Um, like I talked about before, is probably the biggest thing that some young coaches might not be thinking about. And I definitely wasn't when I first started. It was all about, yeah, sets and reps. What's the best periodization scheme? Whatever it might be. Um, what's the best exercise? But really just trying to learn how to communicate with people and how to interact. But I think that comes from experience as well, too, and diving in and being able to coach right away. So kind of going back to what I thought before, really trying to find somewhere where you can coach a lot. Okay. All right. That's the big ones. We're going to do a quick speed round. Um, who was the first strength coach you ever talked to? Uh, Jake. Actually, no, sorry. Uh, was it Jake uh, Batford at Warrington Wolves? I think he's now, he's now in professional soccer, but I can't, I don't know where he's at. First hand. Okay. Um, what's your favorite personal lift? Bench press. <laughs> All right. Personal. Favorite food? Uh, steak. And who's your favorite pro athlete of all time? I'd say I'm a big soccer fan, so Steven Gerrard. He used to play for Liverpool. All right. Um, that was actually a quick one. That's all I got for today. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, this was great, and it's great to learn from you and some great career development knowledge. So I appreciate you spending the time with me. Hey, no problem at all. I'm glad I could help. Thanks for your time, though. It was good. Actually, it was, got me thinking, too, which is, which is good. All right, Cameron. I appreciate it. All right, Parker. Take it easy. Bye.